This is the Bless You Boys podcast. BlessYourBoys.com is your home for all things Detroit Tigers baseball on the SB Nation platform. Each week, join hosts Brandon Day and Ashley McLennan as we bring you the best from around the world of baseball from a Detroit Tigers perspective. Yes, welcome back, everyone. Your host, Brandon Day. Got Ashley McLennan with me. We're back. Off-season engage. Ashley, how's it going tonight? Not too bad, except I tried to implode my computer while we were doing this. So, you know, we're having a good time. Yeah, it was a little cranky. I expect... Oh, she's a mad... She's a mad old lady. <laughs> I expect better from a Microsoft person. <laughs> well, I mean, it's an Apple computer. So oh. <laughs> <laughs> Let's not cast aspersion on yeah, Microsoft's fine products. about Microsoft here, shall we? Or this... this... My, Mac, my, my ancient MacBook is possibly oh. the issue. Oh yeah, this uh, this fine Skype program that we're communicating via Y. Another another one of Microsoft's, you know, outstanding and incredible products. They're listening to this call, probably, aren't they? So yeah, <laughs> just to be sure. Oh no. Yeah. So I mean, we're gonna just gonna ignore the the bad of of, of baseball right now. And I, I have to say, you know, we were kind of talking about the Washington Nationals before we got on the air, and. Uh, I was just laughing my ass off, though, because I watched a whole bunch of, like, their celebration videos, you know, where they were, like, hyping the crowd up. Brian Dozier. Oh, so shirtless. Yeah. They were so, so shirtless. Yeah, they were shirtless. Think, they were drunk. <laughs> I think Brian Dozier just didn't go with a shirt. I think he has been shirtless since they won the World Series, and that's just his new state of being. Yep. Um, also, my favorite thing I learned from the World Series celebrations is that Brian Dozier's real first name is James. Yeah, I did not know that. I didn't either. I'm not sure why you would pick Brian over James necessarily. Like, I guess you know either. What? One of it's, it could be a family name because one of my best guy friends, his first name is James and his middle name is Neil, and he goes by Neil because James is a family name, and so ah. it's easier to distinguish everybody. So he it, he could be like a James a James Dozier the third, and just decided to go with Brian because it's easier to differentiate. Ah, and, and for whatever reason, he feels like a Brian, but maybe that's just, you He know. does. He, the James didn't suit at all. And also maybe he knew he was going to be kind of famous one day because there's like a general named James Dozier. Oh yeah. Um, and so when I initially Googled James Dozier to be like, is this accurate? I just got all these Wikipedia articles about this general. So he might've been like, you know, I don't feel like having, um, Google confusion for the rest of my life. So I'm going to be Brian. That could be, that makes sense to me. Yeah, I did see him. I did see him with a sweatshirt uh, at one of the rallies where they were like on a stage or something, but it quickly came off again. <laughs> <laughs> and there was much dancing with Annabelle Sanchez, who he picked up. And yeah, and it was just, yeah, it just seemed like, you know, they were having a blast. It was full on revelry. Uh, Max Scherzer chugging beers while dancing on top of moving vehicles. Well, a championship belt. Yeah. That was, yeah, good time. <laughs> All seemed like a terrible, terrible idea, but worked out for them okay. <laughs> I honestly, every time Max was pacing back and forth on the top of whatever bus or van he was on, I kept expecting him to fall off. Yeah. Because, like, he's holding a belt, he's drinking, I'm like, this doesn't seem safe even at that speed. Yeah, and you know, like, even when he just goes out to mow the lawn, like, Max Scherzer has too much energy and, and intensity for, for the task at hand, and yeah, he, he <laughs> looked at just stalking around, throwing cans out in the, into the crowd and stuff. Fortunately, there were so many people, um, you know, I think everyone could be, you know... Rest assured that, that yeah, that that exactly 
And also that that can probably never even was able to reach the ground and was simply bouncing on the shoulders and heads of, you know, however, 500,000 District of Columbian, Virginian, Marylander. On someone's, on someone's <laughs> mantle now. Yeah, it just kind of rode home on the wave of the, the mass of the crowd, I think. So, yeah. Well, I was impressed. Our, our, our site manager, Rob Rojacki, took his dog, Fred, to the festivities. Yep. So we got to see delightful pictures of Fred the Pug at the uh, the celebration, uh, <laughs> celebration <laughs> parade, which was adorable. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it was a pug pug day out, living that pug life. Follow yay it's, yay it's Fred on Instagram. He's delightful. We have debated a little bit over who you know who does more of the social media content for um, for Master Fred, um, who, who is his chief employee is. But um, yeah, there there have been some great headlines, and uh, it's it's quite a pretty hilarious account so <laughs> yeah it's pretty it's pretty delightful and he's a super cute dog so if you like following puppy instagrams yay it's fred on instagram yep now you know someone's gonna have to set up an instagram for the monday night football cat um <laughs> i'm sure it already has a twitter account it's like pro- every time an animal escapes <laughs> from a zoo it's like bronx zoo snake yeah it'll be like, it'll be like monday monday night football cat <laughs> yep Yep, out there running around. Another black cat. Like, there have been a whole bunch of black cats on the field over the years. I've, I've, I can think of one or two instances where it wasn't a black cat, but it's weird that it's so consistently a black cat. Um, and black cats are super cool, and so I'm totally good with that, because I've had a couple black cats, and to me they're the most, like, handsome and beautiful baby panthers um, imaginable. But it is kind of odd. And so, of course, like, everyone turns into a, you know, Salem witch trial level, you know... <laughs> <laughs> theologian yeah exactly i'll freak it out about the uh the black cat thing so yeah i don't know but that but that's always fun and it set me down in a death spiral of animals you know getting involved in sports um i believe it was the inestimable em, what's her name emma bacliari bacliari yeah bacliari yeah yeah um who yeah had like a great piece that was like a you know whatever it was like a a zoo, zoological compendium of animal encounters and sports or something <laughs> Some some title like that. Good. Yeah. I mean, you know, you got to get all these things in there. We had the goose and stuff, but, um, you know, we've had the, the rally goose squirrel. Rally squirrel. Yeah. The rally squirrel seems like the most standard. Um, if you could get yeah. something even more exotic out there, that'd be even even better. Get like a... Of course, it doesn't help if your rally animal gets hit mid-pitch by the ball. Nope, nope. That's bad. That's a bad sign. Avian explosions are never positive. But you always look at, like, you know, something like Yuli Gurriel's head and think of, like, oh, what if there was a falcon that was just confused and circling him, you know? (laughs) (laughs) That looks like a mighty fine nest. (laughs) Yep, yeah, that could work for me. I could use some of that, Uh, whatever that interesting material on his head is. I mean, we have the eagle that landed on James Paxton at the Twins game last year. That was a good... Oh, my God. You know, honestly, I forgot about that. Yeah, that was was pretty crazy. That's kind of (laughs) scary. Yep. That account. I think I mentioned that to our favorite, um, our, our favorite raptor trainer on Instagram. I was like, cause she was posting about um, his page, page the Pi- page Python or something like that yeah. on Instagram. Python page. Um, she, yep. P- thank you. Python page is amazing. Um, she's a, a a raptor trainer, um, at a a bird rehabilitation and um, kind of, yeah. it's in I think near St. Louis, um, and so they do like events like sporting events with the eagles and stuff like that that are trained to to fly to their their um, trainer and she also is the um direct trainer for the meme raven from the <laughs> is it a bunny or is it a raven video from a while back and that is mischief <laughs> who is a white 
banded um, um, African raven. And um, he's pretty delightful, too, in all the videos that he's in. But Paige is incredible, and she tries to do, like, these educational things on Instagram sometimes. And I did mention the um, the James Paxton <laughs> flight to her <laughs> in one of those Eagle videos. And she's like, yeah, sometimes they just have a mind of their own. <laughs> and so I think that was a pretty good instance of an Eagle just going, that Canadian fellow looks like a nice place for me to land. He's quite tall. Uh, yeah. <laughs> he is, his name is Big Maple. I mean, like. Come on, yeah. I mean, you can't really fault that poor eagle. Yeah, I mean, it just fits, but it wasn't her eagle. It wasn't Clark or anything no, like that. No, it yeah. wasn't one of the eagles from them. Um, but she, she didn't, at least she didn't say so anyway. But um, yeah, it was definitely an instance of bird doing what bird wants to do. Yeah, that is a great account, though. Yeah, people should definitely check it out if you're an animal lover. She's yes. got a bunch of she's snakes. Yeah, she's got snakes. Like, there's emus at this place. Like, she's always kind of running around getting cool, um, cool footage of different animals and... Yeah, it's pretty educational. And then, of course, mischief is the best part because he's just super, super smart and he can talk and a limited speech, but he can say hello and hi uh, and kind of mimic people's speech patterns and stuff like that, which is very cool. So yeah. definitely worth worth taking a peek at. Yeah, ravens are uh, awesome, just in general. Ravens are pretty cool. Although bird... Hello and welcome to the Bless You Boys all-animal <laughs> Yep, exactly. Let's transition into some Hall of Fame talk now. <laughs> yeah, we're going to go back to tigers, which is our animal of choice. Yep, exactly. I mean, because, yeah, we didn't have a ton of news. I mean, there wasn't a, a whole ton of tigers news, you know, really, really going on this week. We'll get to a few, a few notable things that are actually, like, you know, currently relevant to the actual team. But more importantly, Lou Whitaker, Modern Era Committee, finally coming through. How many nominees are on that sucker? Ten? There are ten, nine players and one former MLBPA head. Yeah. Um, so some very like distinctive names that people would know, like Ted Simmons is on there, Thurman Munson is on there, who are two guys that I kind of championed the inclusion of because um, they were both, of course, um, catchers who didn't make it in on their ballots. Um, and I think Simmons, especially, his only kind of the only thing kind of holding Ted Simmons back is that he played three different positions in his time. Um, which I think is a tricky thing for them to maneuver, but I, I think he really deserves it. But of course, our focus here is that Lou Whitaker finally made yeah. the ballot, um, and it's an opportunity where over the winter meetings, the members of the committee, there are 16 of them, um, will vote on these 10, 10 folks, and whoever gets 75% of the vote will get included in the 2020 inclusion into the Hall of Fame. Yep, just as uh, on the same pathway that Alan Trammell and Jack Morris took two years ago. Exactly. So, yeah. yeah, exactly how Trammell and and, um, and Morris got in. So I think it's an opportunity. I think people who saw it last year, who saw Tram get in, kind of have to acknowledge that if, if Alan Trammell's in, I think Lou Whitaker also deserves yeah. to be in there. He's got all the, the right accolades and theories, so he's got the ring, he's, you know, five-time All-Star, four-time gold, through a four-time Silver Slugger, something like that, three-time Gold Glove, like, he's got everything that you would want, he's got pretty solid numbers to his name, and of course, he was one of the best shortstops, not shortstops, second baseman, I'm fine. <laughs> well, we were talking about Trammell, too. <laughs> one of the best second baseman by, by Jaws, which is Jay Jaffe's system to kind of check the overall best seven years by war at position. Yep. Um, which is a really solid way to estimate whether or not a person belongs in the Hall of Fame. Um, and if you look at his Jaws ranking, he's just below Jackie Robinson. Yep. 
Jackie Robinson is literally above, just above him at 12. Um, he's 13th. And every other person above him that isn't an active player is in the Hall of Fame. Yeah, among second basemen, right? Yeah. Um, and definitely... That he's not yeah, I think... I'm not 100% sure. I guess there's probably a couple of exceptions, obviously, Barry Bonds and, and Roger Clemens, but I think Lou Whitaker has the highest war total of anyone who's not in the Hall of Fame right now, be other than those couple guys, too. So, I mean, he's... Of this, yeah, this group of 10 people, I he really seems right. the guy. Seems like the strongest um, candidate. And, if, and, yeah, I mean, I think the fact that, that Alan Trammell in particular, but Jack Morris, too, but mostly Alan Trammell really really hammered home, you know, that, that Lou Whitaker deserved this every bit as much as he did, if not more. Um, Lou Whitaker, you know, is arguably the better player. Um, I, I think most of the numbers those, would those say so. plays weren't just Trams doing. So. Yep, yep. And, and there's there's something, you know, because Lou Whitaker was quiet and Alan Trammell was a little bit more of like the spokesman leader type as, as they kind of grew into their roles on the Tigers in the 80s. Like, he, you know, Lou Whitaker was just kind of quiet and didn't didn't make that much of a fuss. And in a lot of ways, his style of play reminds me of, like, Robbie Cano or something, where it all looks so easy and fluid that you can forget that, you know, he's just racking up, you know, statistics, you know, racking up hits, racking up great OBP every year, um, hitting for plenty of power. Um, for a second baseman in the 80s to have hit, you know, that kind of that amount of home runs was pretty, pretty exceptional as well. So... I don't want to get ahead of ourselves, but I mean, if if you guess, do you think that he's the guy who gets in? Because I think right right now, looking through I, this name, some of the other guys who are on this list were at least on the ballot longer. Obviously, Lou Whitaker famously like fell off like the very first the year. First time. Yeah, two two point nine percent of the vote his first time out. Ridiculous. Um, which isn't is not enough. I think what do they need the five percent to stay in or something like that? Yeah, it's not a lot, um, but yeah, but you and there's need... also the, the rules changed for how long they could stay on as well, so that's. That also didn't help the situation at all. Um, so I think I think he really did miss and was really overlooked. And I think I think this may be his chance. I think like I even asked Jay Jaffe on Twitter, and he said that he he thought that there might be, you know, he wasn't a hundred percent sure, but he felt his chances were good. Um, and so it's hard to say, you know, like part of me wonders if he'll he'll get overlooked because two tigers got put in last year. Um, but then at the same time, he, he deserves to be there. And by numbers, I think looking at the class that's going for voting this year, I think it's just time. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. How how long can you overlook him? And and you mentioned Robinson Cano and Robinson Cano is one of the two players, um, the two, the active players, there's two active players right now in the top 15 and Robbie Cano's in the top 10 Mm. of, of player jaws and still playing. Um, so, I mean, he very similar style player and who's the other one? Is it Chase, I, Chase Utley? Maybe? Chase Utley. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Among second baseman, obviously here we're talking. Yeah. Yeah. Specifically second baseman. That's how Jaws is broken down. It's by position. Yep. Um, so if you're ever curious about that, it is a B ref, a baseball reference, um, chart and just Google Jaws, um, and then the position name. So player jaws catcher player jaws second base and it'll give you the list yeah um and it's actually really fascinating to go through um and, and see it so i mean like you go look at and there's not a ton of guys not a ton of modern guys that make those top 10 cuts um i mean for catchers joe mauer was the only one who kind of edged into that top 15 um which i always thought was interesting yeah um and, and so it is kind of cool to see that it is mostly the old timers by war who have those top positions and we've kind of, you know, we've discussed this before just about the, the dearth of catchers in the Hall of Fame and how it, it, it feels like there there's 
you know, at least a bit of a movement to, to start kind of correcting that. But, um, but yeah, yeah. None of, I don't really think that's going to come into play here at all. And when it I might. look at... I mean, if you look at a guy like Munson or you look yeah. at a guy like Simmons, I think Simmons probably has a better chance than Munson, but it's hard to say. Yeah, and the thing about Whitaker right now is that, I mean, you may you may well be right that, you know, it, it, there might be a little bit of a bias to not put another Tiger in after doing two last time, but... You know, they also brought a profile up where a lot of people hadn't paid that much attention to him. You know, he's visible as kind of the most obvious best candidate. So it really does feel like this is this is the time where this this kind of needs to happen. Um, isn't there a longer hiatus until they meet again next time too? I like, think, I, I think the modern era meets more frequently, um, but it won't be they won't be meeting next year because next year will be the kind of slightly older. Oh yeah, not like the. Not like the the early, not like the early baseball years. There's three different categories. My off the top of my head, I can't, there's modern era, um, which is guys who've been retired for at least 15 years, um, and then there's it's like a post-war, yeah, something like a and post-war it's, one. It's sort of like the it's the slightly older, so like it's somebody like my favorite Bill Freehan, who was on the '68 winning team, et cetera, et cetera, would be in this next year's vote in 2020. Yeah, and some of these guys like almost kind of touch up to that, like guys like Steve Garvey, Don Mattingly. Some of them started in the seventies. Sure. Yeah, and I think they look at where you played the bulk of your time. Um, so there are guys who are kind of on the cusp of each, and yeah, freehand would fall into that next category. And I am already mentally planning <laughs> my uh, my essays to try and convince the voting group yeah. to to put him in. So. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean. And, I think we've brought him up enough, and I think most, for the most part, our, you know, our listeners will will know who he is. But yeah, Jay Jaffe um, is has basically carved himself out a career as sort of like the public Hall of Fame expert. He's the guy who developed the, yeah. the Jaws scoring system, um, which is based on historical precedent, um, as well as you know using modern methods and modern statistics and, and incorporating um, B refs war and all that sort of different thing into it. So yeah, he's a good guy. I mean, if you, um, if you just kind of want to search that to, to even find out like the basics of, of how he put that system together, or you can his, just search his Jaws. Cooperstown Facebook. Yeah. That'd be a good one too. Yeah. Even, even better. That, that is a good book and it's um, getting close to holiday shopping season. If you're not already well engaged on that, which you probably should be because it's, you know, it's already mm-hmm. November. <laughs> I'll, I'll be putting together the annual things you want to buy tiger fan gift guide. Mm. Oh yeah. Right on. Yep. So, I mean, that that's pretty pretty big news for us here. Um, I, you know, I grew up watching Lou Whitaker. I was really really happy and and kind of emotional about Alan Trammell and and even Jack Morris getting in. But um, but yeah, Lou fits right into that, and uh, it would be really really nice to see him get in to see the Tigers it's like to retire his number. Yeah, finally. yeah. Get over yourselves. Retire his number. Put it up on the wall. Get the Tram and and Lou double play combo statue out there in center field somewhere. Oh, do it dream oh that would be amazing yep or even better like right when you walk in like the main gate like in that main first plaza like put it right there in the center that'd be awesome yes (laughs) no that would be fantastic yep so yeah we can all i you you can guarantee it will be nagging and irritating just about everyone on twitter over the next uh (laughs) month and a half or whatever (laughs) whatever happens in the the winter meetings we'll we'll write about it whether or not it goes our way or not so you'll either see a finally lou whitaker is in the hall of fame or those stupid morons on 
the you know the modern era committee don't know a good player if he he kicks them in the bum. Yeah. So one or two of those does headline. Yeah, possibly a little saltier <laughs> even than that. Yeah, might even get a little saltier than that. There there will be some rage unleashed. I think if it, if it doesn't happen, but yeah, the only thing limiting us is that I don't think I can drop f bombs <laughs> the headlines on uh, on SBN articles, but. Uh, the, the salt will be real if he doesn't make it in this time. Yeah, absolutely. And yeah, just looking at the Modern Baseball Era Committee's like ballot and who they've kind of got on it, who's backlogged. Um, Lou Whitaker is, is really the only guy who's still on, the, you know, who's who's up for consideration, who's way up at the top like this. Um, you know, Greg Nettles, I don't think really has the, the, the name recognition. Ted Simmons makes sense to me as the second most obvious guy because he's just such a legendary catcher and catchers are so poorly represented. Uh, his score isn't great, but um, but to try to get a catcher in there makes sense. A lot of these other guys, like Dwight Evans, Keith Hernandez, um, you know, these, these are all sort of borderline-type guys to me who I don't really think are going to make it. Um, probably the most notable name is Tommy John, but he's not really close in terms of how good he was. Um, the, the name yeah, Player-wise, player Tommy John was never quite as, you know impressive his name kind of recognition is unfortunately yeah he was really durable um which which yeah. is part of why the surgery is so well associated with him because it, it works so well but but yeah it was never really like one of the the top pitchers in the game for a long stretch or anything like that so and don mattingly like has a lot of name recognition but you know he's the first baseman um didn't really have that long of a prime so yeah i don't know i feel i feel pretty good but yeah i don't want to get ahead of myself either I feel good for lose chances, and I, I've got my fingers crossed for Ted Simmons. So yeah, we'll see, see what happens. Yep. And in other news, we're kind of in that weird, um, you know, like beginning of the off season period where, you know, the winter meetings are still eh, just a little bit over a week away. Um, as we've seen the past couple years, like the the old way of the winter meetings where it would just be like deals like spewing out of that thing um, left and right hasn't hasn't really come to pass. I've seen a couple interesting articles kind of talking about how teams have done so well waiting um, until late, not not necessarily the Tigers, but um, but a lot of teams have kind of taken up this attitude that we're going to wait till you know, fe- early February and see who's left and scoop up some bargains. But it, this, this may be the year where there's sort of a tipping point where the, the teams that do that find that a lot of other teams have just kind of come in and, and scoop some guys up because everyone's starting to adapt to the fact that, you know, teams aren't just going to go out there and throw money at everybody other than the top guys. So um, it's, it's going to be interesting to see how that plays out. Um, I'm trying to think. I mean, obviously, Anthony Rendon, Garrett Cole, um, Steven Strasburg, these are the, the three big names. Um, it, it feels like Strasburg will probably work something out with the Nationals, but... Um, but there's a there's a chance there where if you were just going to guess uh, right now and we haven't really looked into this yet. We're still working on getting together like the Tigers stuff and, and who we want them to, to pick up this offseason um, and seeing what moves the Tigers made, which we will talk about in a little bit. But where would you kind of think those two guys are going to go? Um, if I want to take a mighty leap, I think we might see Garrett Cole go to the Padres. Hmm, you think the Padres uh, are going to shell out the big I, debt? I think the Padres would be willing to shell out some cash for a quality player because I think they feel like they're on the cusp of something. And I, I think that they're willing to make another big spend if they think it'll be the tipping point to get them where they need to go. Um, so I, I feel like Cole could be an interesting match there because I think they would want Strasburg, but I think you're right. I think Strasburg's going to make a deal with the Nats that just 
gives him more more guaranteed money yeah um and stay exactly where he is because I'm, I'm pretty sure him he and his family just bought a house there like i think they're fairly settled in the dc community um and i, and I think it's just a matter of him knowing that right now especially with winning the world series mvp that he's at the perfect opportunity to renegotiate and get something better yeah but um, but he's also which is why those opt-outs exist right like, exactly but but he's um, also 32 so he's also not mm-hmm you know, hitting free agency sort of at the, at the perfect time. Um, like obviously the showing he put on in the world series and really all season long is going to get him very well paid by year, but he's not the guy that, yeah, it, that it feels like another team is going to pick up and like try to build around over the next five years. I, I tend to agree. He's going to end up with the nationals again too. Although interestingly, yeah. he and Garrett Cole are both from um, Southern California and there are a lot of teams in Southern California and a lot of those teams in Southern California really, really need an ace, like, badly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, the Angels, I'm thinking, yeah, so, yeah. Yeah, and then Rendon I'm not 100% sure on. I don't have a, a, a vibe on him quite yet. I mean, I'd love to see him go to the Tigers, because I feel like that would... I mean, and obviously they're not going to. The Tigers aren't going to spend any money. But it's a very interesting kind of proposition, right? You get a guy like that on a long contract, he kind of takes a contract similar to what you got for Jordan Zimmerman. Like it's a long term, it's expensive, but then he's locked down and you've got him for the next contention window. If that's two years away, three years away. And his velocity Um, can't go to, go to hell. Like, you know, so so there is that side of it. Yeah. So to me, he'd be a very interesting pickup for a team that is just on the verge of their rebuild. Um, I think he would be really interesting on a lot of teams for some reason, my brain is just saying Oakland Athletics, but I don't know why. Like, in my head, I'm just like, he'd be interesting on the A's, but I don't think the A's are the kind of team that's going to make that kind of push. Yeah, and they've, got Matt, um, and they've still got Matt Chapman, obviously. And there are a lot of... some really good young players on that team, so I don't think that they're in a pressing position to need a guy like Rendon. Um, and they never know, spend. They? Yeah, they just never spend big either. You know, it's just so rare. He might be interesting on a team like the Indians, and I don't want to say that. Mm. He definitely would, but but again, that's an, that's another one where you know they basically tra- traded Trevor Bauer, you know, j- just because you know they're already in, at the point where they're trying to cut salary, and they're talking about like maybe trading Francisco Lindor, which is just mind-boggling. Like, go ahead, go ahead, Cleveland, with your bad self, but um, yeah, he's he's tough because the other thing too is that a lot of the better teams have a third baseman. Like, you look at the. The Angels, or mm-hmm. the, sorry, not the Angels, but the the Dodgers have Justin Turner. Um, they've got Gavin Lux and Corey Seager all in that infield. Kind of all of those guys are probably better profiled at, at third base. Um, I don't know. I mean, the Yankees don't necessarily have like a, a third baseman, but the Yankees weren't able to get under the luxury tax, and so it doesn't really seem like they're going to be the big spender. The Dodgers did get under the lu- the luxury tax, but then there's talk about you know I, I've seen some people saying it's just not you know, the, their way to go out and spend the huge money for a Garrett Cole. Maybe they'll feel different about Anthony Rendon. But the thing I like about Anthony Rendon in, in Detroit, even, and if we look at Fangraph's like crowdsourced um, contract estimates, like, you know, it, people are talking seven, seven years, 30 million average per year. So something like 210 million. If the Tigers did that, our payroll would now be what, um, 120 million going into this season. And after Jordan Zimmerman went away, we'd have Anthony Rendon and the payroll would be a hundred million. 
and mm-hmm. you know you'd be in pretty good shape to start building. You could trade, you know, some of the prospects for guys, keep the best prospects, and and start piecing something together there. But yes, of course, this is a this is a, a pipe dream, and I'm only torturing myself. <laughs> it's pie in the sky because I think what's most frustrating about it is because it is realistic, and I think a team in a t- position like the Tigers are in really should consider something like that. And it's just sad to me that we seem stuck in this kind of zone where they're so set in a no spend mentality that they may not take a really good opportunity to grab somebody that could help them be where they want to be in two to three years. Yeah. And the thing about him is that, you know, he, he's 30. Um, so yeah, you're going to have him until he's 37, um, assuming a seven year deal, but he's an excellent third baseman and for an American League team, you know, especially like with us with Miguel, like Miguel comes off the books in what four more seasons. Mm-hmm. But by that point, okay, you're ready to just you know swap Anthony Rendon over into the the DH position. So it could work. I mean, I would I would be more apt to like make a big fuss about this next season because it, it does feel like we need to get the young pitchers up and kind of start acclimating them to kind of get a better idea what we have, but. When there's a guy like that, you know, there available, like I'm, I'm never gonna turn away. You know, that you should go ahead well, and get it, him if you can. It's also just a smart move to get butts and seats again. Yeah. Like you got to put a team on that's gonna win maybe a couple more games next year, and getting an exciting player like Rendon on the same field as a Miguel Cabrera is a pretty good way to get butts and seats. Yep. Yep. I mean, in the end, I guess I, if I'm looking at Rendon, I, I still kind of feel like he's just going to end up going back to the Nationals too. Like they've been trying so hard to win for so long and they've spent lots of money and it just feels like they're they're in a position where they're probably not going to let either guy go and just try to push all in for another, you know, year or two and uh and then just, you know, take the pain the way we have <laughs> the last few years after that. Um but yeah, of course they'll have a World right. Series ring if not two. So yeah. Absolutely. I mean, they didn't they didn't come to a deal with um with Bryce Harper, but that doesn't mean that they're not going to be able to come to one with Rendon, especially now that they've seen the results. Yeah. And I mean, I think it became clear this year, but even last year, you know, you and I and plenty of other people were all saying they just don't really need, they didn't need Bryce Harper because they had Victor Robles and they had Juan Soto emerging. Um, And as we've seen, Juan Soto is like kind of a younger, you know, slightly better version of, of Bryce Harper already and still very young. So Obviously, that worked out well. Um, but, you know, and you know they've got some guys like you know Ryan Zimmerman. Like some of those guys are going to come off the books, um, who who make decent money and aren't really productive anymore. Um, how, I think Howie Kendrick is coming off the books. So, you know, unless they're they're planning to sort of reset everything and and you know take another maybe a year off with you know nobody at second base, kind of not really an answer at first base, and I don't really think they're going to do that. You know, it just makes sense to me that, uh, yeah, he would end up back there. So so we shall see. Um, J.D. Martinez decided not to opt out, um, which I think makes pretty good sense for him because he had a good year, but it wasn't like his his best year. And he has another opt out after next season. And after that, the next two years, he gets paid less per year. So it makes pretty good sense that J.D. Martinez would just kind of... Um, be like, no, I'm just gonna, <laughs> I'm gonna stay here comfortably with my 62.5 million and hope I have a huge season next year, and then I'll opt out and try to get three or four years after that. So that wasn't terribly surprising. Um, what is surprising yeah. though is that the Red Sox have Hein Bloom now as their, um, I don't even know if they call him a GM there because they've got some fancy new chief, structure. They, the chief. The CBO. Base. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> chief. Baseball. 
op, like operator or something like that. Yeah, or officer. Baseball maybe. operations. That's what it is. Yeah. Oh, chief of baseball operations. Yeah, chief yeah. Baseball officer. Chief of baseball <laughs> operations. I think is what it is. Yeah, but the, that's what it would turn. He is the only one. I think that's the only one person who has that title. Yeah. Ever. Yeah. Yeah. It's all new over there. They've got like yeah, like two regular GMs who do different. You know, some, handle some part of the operations. Yeah. It's a it's a kind of a new structure. A lot of teams seem to be trying some things like that. Um, but, you know, he's over there now, and he's got situations to deal with because they've got, you know, Mookie Betts um, coming up, you know, to his opt-outs, and they've got to decide what they're going to do, if they're going to keep him or trade him. It sounds like there's, like, serious interest in them trading him, which is just, again, like, kind of baffling. Same. Yeah. I mean, I know they've got problems because they, you know, they spent all the money on Nathan Avaldi. They spent a ton of money on Chris Sale and David Price and those guys kind of look like their best days are, are done. Um, Nathan A. of all these uh, best days were, you know, really only like about a week <laughs> and earned yeah. himself a giant contract. So, yeah, there's there's going to be some interesting, you know, things like that to watch. Um, and, you know, we look at like the, the catcher market because this is the thing that you especially, but me too, were, you know, we're harping on the Tigers about all last offseason. There's, um, there's a really nice pool of catchers that are going to be available. You don't have to go get Yasmani Grandal because you probably can't. But, um, but there's, yeah, there's going to be quite a few options there the Tigers should take advantage of. I'm, I'm keen. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to write about it. I'm keen on some Travis Darno. Yeah. Um, he did so well with the Rays. And, I mean, as much as I'd like to see him stick around with the Rays, the Rays often are more willing to test the open water yeah. um, to see what they can get on the cheap. Um, and I, I think a guy like Travis Darno is not so old that we have to worry about him falling apart behind the plate. Um, but I think he, he really found something in himself this past season that is very exciting to me. And he was really fun to watch and he's a good catcher. And I think that there's a lot of elements to him that would be really interesting for the Tigers. And I think they could get him on a pretty good deal. Yeah, that's another one where I think the crowdsource was suggesting two years, $10 million. Um, Kylie, Kylie McDaniel was kind of guessing that, like you, like a lot of people kind of saw that there was a little bit of a little bit of a new spark there this year and said like two years for $14 million. Either of those would be acceptable. Mm, that feels high. Maybe a little. This is a guy who got released twice last year. Yeah. Like, I mean, I, I feel like the, the two for 10 seems very reasonable for Travis Darno. I don't know that I would stretch to two for 14, but yeah, unless there's a couple of, you know, this happens every year where there's like one or two sort of under the radar darlings that like all the analytics heavy top teams are just like, no, we, we really believe in this guy. We think there's a bit of a steal there, but yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. I'm a two to two at five a piece makes more sense to me too. And the thing is like, a lot of what's and you know this like what's happened to him is that a lot of a lot of it has just been injury and we don't want him to play catcher full time here. Um, we we yeah. we want to be able to work Rogers and Griner, you know, in and have him sort of you know do a little bit of mentoring and um, you know keep the workload on all these guys light and we could do that. You know, Travis Darno could play first base for us um, part time because we don't have anything going on there. That's for sure. So yeah, I, I like him. That that makes a lot of sense to me. I just don't know like how you know, competitive things are going to be because obviously he's not going to pick us unless we're far and away the ones paying him the most. I think for the Tigers to get him, they may have to go uh, Kylie style two and 14 because yeah, there might be a whole bunch of other teams that say, yeah, two at five a piece. That sounds great. And we're not going to be the, uh, the winner of that lottery. I'm afraid. Well, and it, it might be more appealing to go to a team at two, two and 10 than that's going to maybe actually compete yeah then you know tigers for two and ten he might need yeah you're right they might need to push for that 
at 14 just to get him to be like, well, okay, I see what you're trying to do here. Like, I think he's also trying to consider, you know, what his value is. And unfortunately, going to a team that's going to maybe be the worst in the league, or if not all of baseball, again the next year, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, it, it's not exactly something he wants to, like, throw on his resume, keep going forward. So um, I think that's where it's going to get tough, is it has to be worth his while, right? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, but but I, I love the idea, and I don't mind overpaying him either, because... I mean, obviously that's easy for me to say, but, but, you know, we're probably going to end up trading him. I mean, that, that's just sort of the way it yeah. goes that if, um, that if he has like a super hot first half, he's just going to get dealt anyway. Um, and they're going to be off the hook for some of that money, um, in the first place. So yeah, he, he might be my first choice that, that feels reasonable. And, but there's also, you know, there's Jason Castro who would be a, a smart idea, I think, um, yeah, there's there's kind of a whole host of them. Robinson Trinos is out there. Martin Maldonado. Uh, there's a bunch of catchers. Get a Dan catcher this offseason, Tigers. Don't make us tell you twice. Yeah. My God. <laughs> it's like, I don't know. It, it was just baffling. I mean, it, it was baffling last year. We write articles about all these guys, and they're not going to pick one. Yeah, yeah. I do feel like that the Tigers are going to spend some money this offseason. Like, like maybe 15 to $20 million. Like something like that. I, see it. I think it's starting to get I, to them a little bit that you know there. I there was that article someone wrote about how the Tigers are complaining, you know, privately about like all the bad press they're getting and like how they you know trying to consult oh, with that was people. An tweet. Yeah, was yeah. He's a Fennec tweet. Yeah. And yeah, they're trying to figure out how to like keep fans kind of satisfied, and people are like, oh, I don't know, maybe try to win a game. Yeah. Just put some, you know, some players out there that are that are watchable, and then stick well, with the young players. Otherwise, and don't just bring us like old kind of, you know, retread guys who don't have a part to play in the future. Like if you're not good now, and you're not, you know, young enough to get better, like we we just don't really have that much use for you, except kind of at catcher, where you know you you have so yeah. much impact on every part of the game that it's well worthwhile to have somebody solid there, but. I mean, there's three things I'd really like to see them do. I'd like to see them get a catcher. I'd like to see them either look at getting someone on the infield. I don't care if it's second base, first base, shortstop. they got to find me somebody veteran quality, decent on that infield. Yeah. Um, and I'd like to see them go and get another potentially trade-worthy starting pitcher. Yep. Yep, I agree. Um, and, you know, and there are some some young, interesting, right? And, you know, presumably it would be a right-hander. We're going into next year with Boyd and, and Norris again, um, and Turnbull and Zimmerman, um, and we'll see whatever happens with Fulmer late in the season. But you'd mm-hmm. think you're probably going to want like a right-hander, and there and there's a bunch of guys. There's you know Michael Waka. There's um there's a couple of interesting guys who who could bounce back and be useful. Jake Odorizzi, I think, is out there, although he might be a little little rich for our blood. We're probably mm. looking one Mister One Year Deal. I think he's going to side with the Twins. Yeah, I would. They they would be smart to do so because it really like the twins' entire rotation, other than uh, Barrios, basically um, evaporated as soon as the off season started. So yeah, so I think they'd they'd be wise, and I think if he, with for the right deal, I think he would just stay where he is. Yeah, there's um, you know there's Julio Tehran who I don't really like and has lost so much velocity that I don't love it. But you know there's there's some guys like that out there. You, I guess you could take a shot on Danny Salazar, even though it feels like his career's over. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I don't know. 
Um, there's not a lot of exciting guys, but there's a lot of guys. Yeah, the, I'll the, grant you that. Yeah, and the, they don't have to be exciting. Who's excited about Matt Moore? Nobody. Sorry, Matt Moore, but like no. And I kind of and I would love to bring Matt Moore back too, but maybe not as a starter. Like you know, like more as a like let's see how it goes because he looked really good last year. Like yeah. I've watched Matt Moore since he came into the league, and that was like one of the best versions of Matt Moore I've seen. But it was only you know spring training and part part of one start, so. Um, but he's not going to be able to command very much money. Um, he knows the Tigers. Like, he's probably been working with the Tigers, you know, trainers and, and medical staff already. So maybe he's familiar with those guys. So I, I'd i be okay with, you know, with trying that. Um, but, yeah, there's some bad ones out here, too. I mean, Shelby Miller, of course, is, is available if anybody wants to bother um, trying to sort that out. Homer Bailey, you know, there, there are some guys like that. We could pick up that guy, Jacob Nix. Um who got released by the Padres for trying to in- trespass in- well, into someone's no, house in the middle the of the night? To break into somebody's house and got tasered going through the dog door. No, yeah, yep, he was. He was caught in the dog door, Ashley. You, you can't tasered. <laughs> that's a great story. This is you know the stories are right themselves. No, yeah, I don't want that guy. Obviously, no. I, I just had to bring that up because I reread the story last night and was dying. I'm like, what the heck? He's just lucky he's alive, let alone uh, going to pitch in the major league. So, um, okay. So yeah. I'm you. No, it's all right. So I mean, Can I talk about the favorite rumor that you told me today. Yeah, let's let's do that. But but just to kind of like bring it to the that point positionally, like yeah, like a starting pitcher makes sense. Maybe like some throwaway, you know, reliever to to take a flyer on. I'm sure the Tigers we need something to kind of bolster that, especially with like Hardy and Stump taking walks. And, yeah, yeah. And, unless they come back on minor league deals, I I think that they need to kind of find somebody to work as a stopgap in there for now. Yeah, and the Tigers have um, 33 guys on the 40-man roster right now. Um, they're going to have to add Isaac Paredes. Um, I'm not really sure they're going to have to add anybody else. Uh, I don't I don't know that Derek Hill or Jacob Robson is a concern, um, to, you know, or, or even Kyle Funkhauser. So I, we should have, you know, at least five spots, if not six, and they'll pick up a guy in the Rule 5 and maybe claim somebody off – waivers or something like that but yeah i mean it seems like they could sign four guys um you know we've talked about first base we've talked about eric thames um or justin smoke something like that um i saw evan woodbury talking about um eric thames but yeah and there has to be something in the middle infield because the way i look at it like i i if it's me i'm starting nico goodrum at shortstop next year finding someone to play second base and i'm gonna put willie castro back at toledo and and try to like get him revved up to come up later in the season again um, because he you know he just struggled a lot and he looked kind of a mess defensively but the tigers themselves seem to kind of indicate that they knew that they needed like one legit bat somewhere in in this in this mix like somebody who can add some power someone who's got some some flair and some presence out there i mean i don't know can you think of anybody think of anybody like that could i think of anybody interesting and exciting with some pop in their bat. Some like muscle, well muscled, like really wild man. Fun to watch, but maybe a little bit of a firebrand. Like someone who like completely doesn't fit. Cannon like kind of figure. Yeah, someone who doesn't fit the the uh, Ron Garden hire mm, kind of feel and vibe at all. Oh. Hmm. Who could I imagine? Yeah. You know who would be? You know who would be such a pie in the sky? lofty kind of guy for that kind of position brandon oh this is gonna be crazy what are you what are you thinking well, well i mean they call me nuts here but what about yasiel puig puig our friend wait a minute this uh, seems like a great idea your friend puig oh our Detroit friend puig. puig 
Hashtag, hashtag. Yeah, this is the first official at rumor uh, post of the season that's probably going to be coming out at some point tomorrow because MLB Trade Rumors is currently projecting the Tigers to sign Yasiel Puig on a one-year deal, which... Is dumb. Is weird and maybe dumb, yeah. <laughs> okay, so no, here's like, hear me out, because we had this discussion yeah. beforehand. Yeah. And so I, I just want to like feel it out, but like signing Yasiel Puig is not the part I think is dumb because I think he's exciting, he's young... He'd be very interesting to watch on the team, yeah. and it would also eliminate any need to to pitch to him, which is delightful. <laughs> That's um, true. And plus, he's just engaging, and he's fun to watch, and he's he's he create a bit of a media frenzy, which is, I think, something worth having for the Tigers to kind of take the focus off of how bad the front office is sometimes. Um, it's the one-year deal yeah. that is the most ludicrous part of that rumor I've ever heard. Because why on earth would you sign a player like Yasiel Puig to a deal for a year that is absolutely meaningless for the Tigers? I do not know. Because not only are you not going to get... No matter how good his first half is, no team. we've seen this over and over and over again. Like No team is going to give you that much for a rental unless it's, you know... Zach Grinky level, you know, well, that wasn't a rental yeah. either, but you know what I mean? Like, it's going to have to be a star. So, yeah, I mean, it almost just seems like throwing that money down the drain, and I'm not necessarily opposed to that, to have Yasiel Puig around for a year, because it would at least be something of interest to watch and give this team, you know, at least one legit bet um, with, with Nick Castellanos gone. There'd at least be someone there you could count on to, you know, be some something of a run producer. Um, his defense is kind of kind of fallen off but you know he, he had sort of a weird year last year like it, he didn't he seemed to struggle with the reds at first um but then when he went to cleveland it all seemed to kind of spark him you know and and he looked very much like himself and had a really good finish to the season so yeah he's not such a huge impact player as compared to his name and it would be fun but yeah i just can't understand why they would think we would you know get Yasiel Puig on one years and whatever it was like $7 million. I think they projected. Yeah. The, the, the length of it makes no sense to me and the, the timing of it. Makes yeah. No sense to me. Eight million. If you were to tell Excuse me that next year, I would be like, okay, interesting. Tell me more. Mm-hmm. But for this coming season, I, I don't see the logic of it. Yeah. I, I just don't really either. Like if, if they wanted, wanted Yasiel Puig and, and were willing to, you know, put up the money to, to have him for two years. Uh, hey, I'm all for it. Like that's, that's fine. Um, you know, he's not, not a really good player, but he's an above average player. And in a certain sense, like he sort of fits the ballpark. He sort of feels like a guy who could maybe benefit from the Tigers. Like begging him to be patient and not really having anybody else around in the lineup, you know, to hit behind him so that teams aren't going to pitch him well. It would almost be like a crash course in in a little extra discipline. And throughout his career, when he is disciplined and, and you know, taking pitches and looking for something in particular and, and having that discipline in play, he's really good. It's when he starts pressing and chasing that, that it kind of goes bad on him. So, I mean, I could see it kind of like vaguely benefiting both sides, but not not for one year. That that just seems very strange. Um, you, I'd rather see on a one year deal in the outfield. Who you got? Curtis Granderson. Uh that would be fun. Pointless, but fun. Is that pointless? <laughs> the, whole, the whole season is going to be pointless if you're going to bring in a guy who's just there for a name draw to maybe sell a couple jerseys and bring in some like nostalgia factor. 
Like, yeah, he, not? Well, he's perfect. Yeah, he, he would be perfect for that. I just, yeah, I just don't know that I really, I don't know. I don't really want to do that. I'd like to try to, like, find someone young. I know. Well, we do have 26 spots now on the on the roster, so it's not like they couldn't, you know, have Curtis and kind of have him as the, you know, as sort of the 26th man or something. But, yeah, yeah we could, um, I don't know, you know, we could we could bring back Abisail Garcia. This uh, this front office seemed to really, really love Abisail Garcia back in the day when they were, you know, bizarrely comparing him to Miguel Cabrera. So, uh, I don't know, That that's an option, but... It just feels like he was tremendous this year at Tampa Bay. Like, yeah, he faded really strong. But yeah, the first you know what, like four months, he was he was really on fire. But even out in the field, he was incredible. Like he, like his bat. Yes, I mean there was some fade there, but I was really impressed with what I was seeing with him out in right field. Yeah, and he's just, I mean he he kind of does everything. Um, he doesn't do anything great, but but he's like very solid in in a lot of different ways. He can still run. Still plays solid defense. Um, when he, and he's the kind of hitter who, when he gets hot, um, yeah, will look very much like, you know, when Nick Castellanos is hot. Like, he's a, yep. almost that style of hitter, just kind of a, a little notch below, maybe. So, I mean, there, there's Marcelo Zuna, which the Tigers aren't going to do. Um, th- there are some guys. We could try Corey Dickerson. I don't mind them trying an outfielder. Oh. Yeah, I know. Yeah, I mean, Cole Calhoun. Do we want Cole Calhoun like, no. to play some first base in right field? No, not really. Um, yeah, it just depends on what the Tigers think they've got because, I mean, I assume Victor Reyes and Jacoby Jones are both going to play a lot this year, which means that, you know, there's really only one spot and, and because Kristen Stewart is going to play a lot, although maybe he'll end up DHing some or, or doing some different things, but Travis Demerit didn't do anything to, to lock down a job and he's got options. The Tigers can, can stash him at Toledo and bump a bunch of people aside. Um, we, we can talk about who the Tigers, you know, who, who left the, the minor league system real quick because there weren't very many. It was basically Anthony Castro and Jose Azokar both um, opted to become uh, free agents because they've been in the system long enough now where um, they have that eligibility. Um, so they might both be gone. I, maybe the Tigers could bring them back. But one of the things we talked about earlier, I think it was with you, is that the Tigers have all these kind of outfielders who aren't very good but have a little bit of potential. Guys like Jacob Robson, Derek Hill... Um, the best of the bunch is, is Daz Cameron, who I still like, and, and I'm hoping to do something next year. But they don't necessarily have a problem cutting any of those guys to, to if they want to hang on to Travis Demerit, but aren't convinced they can play him yet. So, yeah, I just I don't know. I would assume they're going to sign someone in the outfield, but it just feels like this team needs a left-handed power bat, like somewhere. Like yeah. you've got Kristen Stewart, and that kind of helps. But you get one more guy like that at first base. You get you know Darno behind the plate. You know, we'll take our chances. You know, find a find a starting pitcher and maybe pick up a reliever or something like that. And um, that's probably the best you can, real you know, realistically hope for this off season. Um, just to stick with MLB trade rumors because I don't know. You know, somebody should go and do like a retrospective about how accurate these guys are because it's very hard. It's very hard to be accurate. Like everybody's just taking shots. Um, Kylie McDaniel and Fangraphs had a really great top fifty free agents post with like a lot of detailed kind of uh, insider info in there that I thought was a pretty great piece. So that's a, if people haven't started thinking about this seriously yet, that's a great primer is to go to fan graphs and read that top 20, that top 50 free agents article. Um, but the starting pitcher MLB trade rumors has this link to is Michael Waka on a one year deal for $6 million. And that to me also sounds like, you know, a pretty good idea as well. Like he's had some shoulder, 
and oblique issues, but he's only 28 years old, and early in his career, he was really good. Um, so, you know, he, he's going to be a guy who's trying to trying to rebuild some value and should come fairly cheap. And, I mean, I, I could see that. That doesn't seem like a, a bad idea to me at all. Um, I don't know if, again, it's always the question of whether or not the Tigers can actually get that price or whether or not that's the price other people would want to pay and then we have to beat it, but... Or we could bring back Drew Smiley if we just want to go. Yeah, I don't know. I'm not full on lefty here. Oh, I wouldn't mind that. <laughs> no, I wouldn't mind I mean, that. He hasn't, he, he's been out for a long time, and obviously it would be kind of a, a retesting of the waters, but that might make it easier to get him. Yeah, it um, kind of kind of fits the Tyson Ross, Matt yeah. Moore, you know, Mike Fires type of profile of like a guy who you don't really know what to expect, but there's enough upside where yeah, maybe maybe it could work out. So. I don't know that we're going to be getting another lefty there, though, either. That that wouldn't be my first choice. Waka, Waka makes a lot of sense. I can oh, kind of buy that. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, there, there hasn't been a ton of other news other than, um, yeah, Zokar and Anthony Castro opting free agency. And I'd just like to make a brief case that the Tigers should absolutely pursue bringing Anthony Castro back because they wasted too much time trying him as a starter when everybody knew he was better suited to relief because he's a tall, slender kid who's like you know probably like 170 180 pounds he doesn't really have a starter's frame he has like this long setup into his delivery that doesn't really um doesn't really suit him great as a as a reliever and the tigers for whatever reason kind of just let him keep starting and and kind of messed with him when he got to double a and on the one hand he had a great year in terms of developing his slider into one of the best breaking balls in the Tigers system, which is nice to see. Um, but his fastball command didn't really come along, um, which is which has always been the problem. And I think he's 24 or 25 now. But he's still a guy who has enough um, weapons where he's one of the better arms in the system. Still has the command problems. But yeah, I would, I would hope that the Tigers would do that and finally give it a real chance. Where like, okay, this whole year you're going to be a reliever. You can get used to it. You can settle into the role, um, get used to you know dealing with runners on base when you come in. Maybe just pitch out of the stretch the whole time, so you can trim down some of this elaborate kind of rock and fire delivery that he's got. Um, yeah, I, I just feel like they wasted a uh, a development moment there um, by not moving him to relief all season this past year and, and and seeing what they've got. And now he can do whatever he wants. And if I was Anthony Castro, I'd probably be like, hey. <laughs> talking to my agent like please guys, yeah, yeah please call the astros the you know the dodgers the yankees the rays um something like that and if any of those teams picks him up you can bet i will be howling about it because then i know for sure that the tigers were stupid <laughs> 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 to, to not try this sooner so yeah so he, he's he's that guy for me right at the moment well, i'm not not thrilled with how that went um one other note on MLB trade rumors is that they, they do have Nick Castellanos projected to go to the White Sox, which I was suggesting, you know, makes perfect sense because of how much it would aggravate both Tigers fans and, as Ashley said, Cubs fans as well. So it does feel like kind of the perfect the perfect move. It uh, is the perfect landing spot because everyone will be mad. Yep, yep. It'll, it'll just drive everybody nuts. Like, you know, the Southsiders got him and then we'll be over here, like, you know, having to actually play against him and McCann. Nick will probably hit like a crap ton of dingers in that stadium. Yeah, it, uh, yeah, that 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 would displease me. It would displease me greatly. But yes, the Cubs Cubs fans are so in love with Nicholas Castellanos that uh, you would think the Cubs would make a, a pretty strong play at him. 
Yeah, but I don't know how much money they're thinking is spending right now, especially with like mm-hmm. they're going to have to start thinking about Bryant. They're going to have to start thinking about Rizzo and those long-term deals kind of coming up where they're going to have to really decide what they're going to do. And I mean, they're not looking at adding Cole Hamels, but they're keeping you Darvish around. So, I mean, yeah, they spent some good money on Darvish and they've got a very old rotation. Darvish kind of got himself figured out towards the end of the season. So I think that they're really hoping to see that pan out the way that they'd originally hoped. So, yeah, yeah, he's been good, but then they've also still got, you know, John Lester, Jose Quintana, like both of those guys are kind of soft tossing lefties who are getting worse and getting older. Um, and are expensive. So yeah, the Cubs have some some real challenges. There's there's no doubt there. Um, as as well as yeah, you know, starting things up with a new manager, which they haven't uh, haven't sorted quite yet. So yeah, that's going to be interesting. Um, I'm trying to think. I'm just looking to see if there's anybody else who really like popped off the page it's in terms of where. Yeah, well, just in terms of yeah, like someone's uh, like a bizarre suggestion. Kylie McDaniel has Jose Iglesias making us oh, making seven million this year. Like finally getting that deal. I don't think so. That seems high. Yeah, it seems a little optimistic that he's that he's going to get a starting job. Although it would be smart with the twenty six man roster for some some team with a bunch of like big donks in their middle infield who don't really you know play great defense, but it doesn't matter because they hit so much. Like the Dodgers, who Kylie McDaniel actually suggests, I'm looking right at it, so I, I got to give him credit for that. Yeah, maybe a team like that picks him up, you know, <laughs> cheap and stashes him as their defensive replacement or something like that. I could see that possibly happening. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, I don't even know I never know what to expect with the off season anymore. I think I'm. I don't know. It's gotten so weird the past two years that it's just so hard to predict anything. I know. When I first started writing here, I, I actually had really good success. And just the last two years, it's just been like, I, I have I just have no idea what's going to happen, and I have no idea when it's going to happen anymore either. Yeah. So, yep. So we could all be sitting here for two months while a whole bunch of minor deals get sorted out. Um, it's going to be really interesting because Scott Boris has, like, everybody. Like, he has... You know, just about all of the the biggest free agents who are out there already, um, and that I don't know. It's just going to be interesting to see how he tries to line it up and like how he has, you know, you should sign now or this other guy should, all that kind of stuff. So, um, yeah, it, there'll be plenty of interest. It's going to be interesting too to see if there's any reaction to, you know, just the outcry that's gone on the past two years because you know the top couple free agents every year have gotten paid fine but the guys a step below that and and those mid-tier guys have just been just getting crushed so much and um i don't know maybe this will be the year where that changes a little bit with the expanded roster but it's it's just really hard to say it's gonna be uh gonna be interesting to see but just not that interesting for us unfortunately <laughs> no unfortunately not at least for another year yeah oh yeah boris has garrett cole anthony rendon steven strasberg J.D. Martinez didn't opt out. Um, he's got Nicholas Castellanos, Dallas Keuchel, Hyunjin Roo, and Mike Moustakis. Oh, you know, Mike wow. Moustakis is an interesting guy, too, where if he just kind of gets left out in the cold again, like, Mike Moustakis is pretty good, and we don't have a third baseman. Um, I'm sure the Tigers will attempt to force Dawa Lugo down our throats for a little bit longer, but uh, that's not going to work out. I wouldn't mind having Mike Moustakis until uh, Isaac Paredes gets here. That would be okay by me um, and, and shouldn't be very expensive. I we've just annexed any memory of Jamer Candelario. Like, he's not still on the team. Although I don't believe him to be the third baseman of the Tigers' future, but it's very funny that we just yeah. didn't even talk 
him in that capacity anymore. Yeah, unfortunate. Or just sad because, yeah, I mean, the defense was there, but, um, you know, this this is two and a half years now that we're into it, and he hasn't hit yet, and he still looks like a guy who's going to hit. <laughs> Even, like, some, some people I know who actually do, like, real scouting are like, yeah, we don't really... It's hard to say why Jamer Candelario's just kind of never come together. He seems like a guy that people would, would want and to try to fix something with that the Tigers haven't haven't managed to sort out, but um, I don't know. It, it just doesn't seem like it's happening there, so... I, He'll be back. You know, he'll probably play some first base, and I don't know, maybe the battle finally catch fire. But if it doesn't, it kind of feels like this is kind of his last stand, too, I'm afraid. Well, I don't disagree with you. Yeah. I don't know. I think that's about a wrap. Um, oh, I did see one other funny article, which was about um, how the Chinese tariffs were going to affect Rawlings and, in- and increase the price of the minor league baseball this year. Um, oh, no! By, like, I think it was, like, $58 a dozen it was going to go up, which... Whoa. Like, how expensive are these balls? And if they're spending that much on them, can't they get them to be, like, consistent <laughs> from year to year? Because once again, we had, like, another... You know, we had, like, the inverse of the of hot ball gate in, in which a lot of people were looking at the ball in the postseason and saying, like, nope, they must have run out of the, the hot ball they and went back... They Yep, they and went... And they rejuiced it. Yeah. And then they dejuiced it again. Yep, it's just hard to know. You know, hard to hard to expect, uh, you know, consistency at this point. And it's just going to be weird to see how that plays out. It's got to be wreaking some havoc with teams. I, I have to imagine there's frustration being expressed because, you you know, oh, yeah. you pick up a guy who hits a ton of fly balls... He hits you 35 home runs, and then the next year the ball is soft again, and all of a sudden this dude's just flying out everywhere and batting like 220 with no power. And you're like, yeah, yeah. So there's a fun, fun variable mixed in there. That was interesting. Yeah. So yeah, next week I don't know. We should uh, we should have a lot more player reviews done on the site. Um, we're we're not quite halfway. I was. Have the- I think the BBWA announcements are out by next week, aren't they? Yep. So we'll know like the award winners. winners. Yep. Um, you can look the forward. Finalists went out yesterday, so. Yeah, and there'll probably be a bless you boys, uh, you know, selection post at some at some point that you can all weigh in on who your votes are. Although a lot of the candidates seem pretty solid this year. It's like there's yeah, not I think not too many. Feel pretty good about Kevin Cash this year. Yeah, I'd feel good about Kevin Cash. I maybe. Nah, I mean, it's kind of got to be Kevin Cash, doesn't it? Like, who else? I feel like it. I mean, I think Bob Melvin took it last year, and I think that made sense. But I think of of the nominees, the three finalists this year, Kevin Cash feels to me like like he's got it on lock. I think as part of last year and this year. Like, I feel like yeah. everything he's done and the way he's revolutionized bullpen use and the fact that he took a team that nobody counted on, they beat the they, – they, they kept the Red <laughs> Sox out of the postseason. Yeah. They went all the way through the ALDS to a game five. I mean, yeah, he definitely he, deserves that's it. A, that's a team that deserves kind of acknowledgement for what they've been able to do. And doing all that with only two healthy starters throughout the entire season. Yeah. Yeah. It's been incredible. Um, and yeah. And, and just kind of having to mix so many different, you know, pitchers in there and, and find all these ways to use them. Never having like, you know, a really like rock solid, like starting nine, or starting eight. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. I, I, Kevin Cash should have won it, in my opinion, last year. And I, I really hope he gets it this year. I hope it isn't Aaron Boone just because he was a rookie manager who made it to the you know, the postseason and is the Yankees guy. So, Kevin Cash no, would definitely I, I, be my I pick. I feel good about Cash's chances there. So, I'm, I'm hopeful. I mean, I'm biased, but I'm hopeful. Yeah. 
Um, so yeah, you know, we'll get into all that. You'll find all that over at the site. Um, and you can weigh in there as well. And we can kind of all kind of argue, argue some of those out, at least the ones that are a little bit, you know, less clear cut. Cause there are some that certainly are. Um, anything else going on with you? You got the, any YouTube videos this week? It sounded like yeah, you were having um, an issue. Okay. <laughs> I was supposed to have one up today, but it crashed my computer. Um, so there'll be one up tomorrow that's actually about managers. It's about the kind of different roles um, of managers um, from ownership all the way down to like, you know, the bullpen catchers, like oh, yeah. the whole nine of the hierarchy of who's helping who and, and all that. Um, and then there will be an, a regular episode on Thursday and then one on Saturday. I just don't actually know what they will be yet. Mm, I'm all kind right. of pulling them at random from what I've recorded so that my hair looks different in all of them. <laughs> yeah, okay, so when uh, when you all listen to this podcast on Wednesday, um, you can pepper Ashley at 90 feet from home with suggestions for videos, topics that you'd like to see, baseball videos, people. Yes. <laughs> so, yeah. Any, any baseball-related topic is, is open. Oh, I've done quite a few at this point. Yeah, there's uh, a lot. Four to be exact, exact but um, there's always ones that I haven't touched on yet. The one I thought of today that I haven't recorded yet is the Yips. Oh, yeah. Uh, to do a lingo lesson on the Yips, so I thought that would be a fun one. So uh, I'll be recording my 100th episode this weekend. Oh, that's awesome. Um, yeah. That's so pretty impressive. Exciting. Yeah. Because I think we only, this is podcast 61 um, between the two of us of this this iteration of the Bletcher Boys podcast. So you've been just, oh, cr- cr- oh, that's all right. I mean, you know, the YouTube videos take a lot of preparation though. So, it, you know, yeah, they're shorter, but that's a lot of work. So yeah, it's been super cool seeing that project come together. So yeah, keep an eye out. Sure. Keep an eye out for all that. Um, and yeah, I think that's about it. Yeah, I think that's good for this week. And we'll be back next week with exciting more not exciting baseball news. Yeah. But we'll we'll be here. It's up to you, Tigers. Your move. <laughs> yeah. Give us something to talk about. Yeah. So you can follow me, Brandon Day, at Fiscadoro74 on Twitter. Um, you can find us at Bless You Boys on Twitter as well. And follow Ashley at 90 Feet From Home. Ashley, have a good night. We'll talk to you later. See you, man. Good night. Good night.